It's four o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! This week, starring mystery music supervisor. Yeah, baby. Uh, welcome to the big show. Thank you, fake band. Thank you, fake audience. Let's see who's in that chat room. Get situated here. There we go. There they are. Good morning, Amanda. Hello, Jesse J. Peck, Bob Gunnerfeld, Whitney Phoenix, Amanda West, John Pearson, Joseph Alonzo, Michael McGraw, Ulysses Carter, Darren Moss. The shirt matches the face. There you go. Richard Carr, Greg Carroza, Alan Hall, Carl Wurzbach, Rick Cabot, Podmore, Jerry Jennings, Chapters Publishing, Cass McKenty. Arian Card, Brent Magstaff. Brent, hold on a minute. I did see that, right? Yeah, Brent, how are you, buddy? Mojo Bone, Keith Sumner, Khaled Hamid, Michael Nelson, Riffs That Rule, Robert Orzachowski, Marion Laird, Alex Dillon, Amanda West, gotcha already, Deborah Davis, Pete Mason, Tom Martin, Buffalo Bob, Greg Vaughn, Martin Gravel, John Sablich. Mark Real, E.L. Chaotic, uh, let's see, Gloria Covington, Dean Turner, Ken Mesford, Robert Martin, wow, Michael McGraw, Russell Landwehr, hello, buddy, Jan Wylage, Edmund Red, Lamar Franklin, wow, big crew today, glad to see you all. Um, oh, I forgot some lights, I'll be right back. I thought I looked very tan today. There we go. Now the lighting is perfect, and I still look tan. Wow. Um, how are you guys? Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hello, Darren Moss. Um, I think I've said hello to everybody at this point. Um, I just had a sneezing attack, so excuse me. Um, wow, it started out warm today. Hello, Stan. How are you? Um, Jan Fabiano, I can never pronounce your name, Fabiankovic, uh, Diego Delfino, Ian Shortle, Herman Kelly, Robert Else, Jay Williams, wow, no, I don't have the Rona, <laughs> Peter Rahill, Bob Goosh, I think that's everybody, Dave Barnett, Dave Freeland, Susan Hillman, wow, everybody's here. Um, Cass, you're rebuilding a carburetor, won't be chatting too much. Well, um, if you need any advice, don't ask me. I've only done one carburetor in my lifetime. That was on a 1974 Triumph Spitfire, which had a very easy, you could pop the, the front of the car open, you know, lift up the lid, it hinged on the front bumper kind of, so you could sit on the front tire and work on the carburetor. Jim Stamper, sorry to hear that you've got big, st whoa, and a 1946 Indian, holy smokes. Dave Aquino, um, Gregory Ball, wow, big turnout today. Um, 
anyway, I'm very excited. In about a minute, I, Andre Stepanian, hello. I'm going to call the mystery music supervisor. Let's see if I can make it uh, through 90 minutes of show without calling him by his name. Um, anyway, uh, very excited to have him on the show. Um, hello, Bionic Sisters, Christopher Dahl. <laughs> Three chords and the truth. Yep, ain't it so? So, uh... I'm ready. You guys ready for our big guest? Uh, yeah, if you know his name, don't blurt it out, okay? Um, hello, Charles Wilson. Uh, about five or six weeks ago, one day he and I were on the phone. As you guys know, I uh, speak to a lot of music supervisors, music library owners, and uh, one night this gentleman and I were on the phone, and he's like, oh, man. I said, what? He goes, oh, I'm frustrated by something dopey that somebody did. Hello, Janet Snare. Um, and uh, he said, hey, can I come back on Taxi TV uh, and uh, do a thing about what people shouldn't do? And then later he amended it to some do's and some don'ts. So we're going to get a bunch of do's and don'ts today. Um, yeah, George is coming back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hit that, smash that like button, especially those of you who are new to this chat, go ahead. If you're not already a subscriber, please hit the red subscribe button and please give us a like. Um, hello, Jettison Bloom. Uh, so that's it. Hello, Tom Z. All right, enough with my hellos. I got a show to do here. So let me call him. Hey, Mystery Music, uh, or I was going to say uh, Mystery Music Supervisor, Mystery Music Library Owner. How are yeah, you? I was, I was watching the first part, and I'm like, he called me a Mystery Music Supervisor. He messed up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've been known to mess up more than once on this show, trust me. All right. Uh, <laughs> say hello to everybody in the chat room. We've got a very full room today. I saw that. Okay, so um, as I was telling everybody, you really uh, asked me if you could do this out of your own uh, frustration with, uh, you know, somebody doing something dopey, and it just made you want to spread the word so that people can start getting this stuff more right than wrong, and you're going to teach them some etiquette. So where do you want to start? Well, I've, I've, I've had the idea for a while. Um... I've been doing this music library for quite some time, and along the way I've encountered various things, instances, mistakes, and I thought I'd make a really good episode to explain a lot of them and, and, and share some light to members, composers, songwriters, and whatnot. Um, I think some of these things I'm going to talk about, some folks will be like, well, duh, yeah, that's just common sense. Doesn't everybody know that? But uh, the thing is, not everyone does, because everything I'm going to mention, I've encountered at some point. So I thought I'd do like a, a top ten list, like David Letterman used to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Although well, you know... It's necessarily let... going to be in order from least important to most important, but I think uh, number one and two of the list are definitely some of the most important, but we'll get there after a while. 
All right. Well, yeah, I'm glad you're doing something uh, a la Letterman. You know, he stole his best shtick from watching Taxi TV. So um, I think it's only fair that we give him a little credit on the show today. He did, really? No. I, I, I didn't think so. I was like, wait a minute. I've stolen some of my best shtick from Letterman, actually. <laughs> oh, um, all right. Well, let's let's start uh hold on a second i'm looking for a sound effect and how is the level everybody um is it uh i remember last time we did somebody on the phone and i'm not using my new device yet i still have a couple little bugs to work out with my new uh toy which i love the roadcaster pro it's really cool um what is that? Uh, it's a new thing I got. It's like a, a little mixer that's built specific, specifically for doing podcasts and live streams. Um, so it's got a bunch of faders. It's got some channels. It's got some sound effects built into it. Um, and it does this unusual thing where when I'm doing an interview like this, uh, I could, rather than playing music, through the speaker into the microphone, I could actually play it down a wire, which is something I've wanted to do for, what, 11 years now? Um, and it allows me to plug my phone directly into the mixer so that I can get the phone in there without having to put the phone on speakerphone and prop it up on a candle and a roll of tape next to the microphone like it is right now. Um, and I've got it all worked out and figured out, but it does something weird when I turn it on. It actually uh, kills the old microphone, which I actually prefer the Audio-Technica mic that I'm on over another one that I've tried. So I'll work out the little bugs and soon enough we'll be able to play music down a wire. Um, cool. Well, uh, Chapters is saying, hard to believe you've waited this long to get a mixer, a sound engineer. No, I, I could have gotten a mixer a long time ago, but it wouldn't have solved a couple of the problems. And so this one does. They Apparently, I'm not the only guy in the world that had some of these issues. So all, all that said, let's start out with number 10. Whoops. Oh, that was let's sound start, effects. Let's start that out. like fireworks. <laughs> Anyways, um, number 10 is registrations. Okay. What I mean by that is all libraries work differently, but for the most part, the library will be the one to register your tracks, like with ASCAP or DMI, whatever. Especially if the library is exclusive. And I've actually, my library has now gone to exclusive. I started off non-exclusive, but over the past couple of years, I've moved to completely exclusive. I still have the non-X catalog, but I'm really pushing the exclusive. Um, and I've had new artists and composers that I've signed, and they've actually apologized for not having the tracks registered yet, like the tracks that I'm signing. Right. I'm like, uh, why? And how would you go about doing that and how would you register the track if you don't even know my the names of my publishing entities um, I think another mystery library owner you had on brought this up if you're planning on signing the track exclusively do not register it beforehand 
Um, if you are just wanting to sign it non-exclusively, then that's totally fine and use your publishing. Um, like for instance, say you've already registered your track and then you sign it exclusively and the library that signed it keeps the same title and also registers it with ASCAP or BMI or whatever. Well, then you have a duplicate title which totally messes everything up and the PROs hate that, having, having a duplicate title. It just makes a big mess. Um, mind you, with the composers that I sign, I always cross-reference in the PRO database to make sure that title has not been registered yet. And if it has, then I have to change it. Because you can't have duplicate titles. Right. Um, I often will change titles. Uh, I don't mean like a, <laughs> like a non-exclusive retitle library like everyone's talked about. Right. Um, I'll, I'll change and I'll tell you why, a few reasons. Um, like number one, I might think the composer's title sucks. <laughs> and I'm really fastidious with titles. I like really unique titles that stand out and there's nothing that's boring or mundane. Um, see number two, I might already have a track in the catalog with that same title. Like the other day I got sent some pension tracks from a composer and one of the titles was uh, Disaster Looms. I'm like, whoops, I already have one with that title. So in that instance, I have no choice but to change the title. Right. Um, and I guess, like I already talked about, if they've already registered the title, then I have to change it to something else. So, um, but yeah, the one thing that I really bothers me is when composers bug me about registrations. I've had quite a few email me like after a month of my signing their tracks, they'll email me and ask like, hey, uh, I don't see my tracks in my, my PRO account. Should I do that or, or are you going to do it? I'm like, no. <laughs> um, I will get to it in, in good time. Is the phone right by your mouth? Because uh, it sounds a little muffled at the moment. Yeah, it's right by my mouth. Okay. They, they could have slipped away. Sorry. Yeah, no slippage allowed, dude. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as soon as a library signs your track, they're not going to register it the very next day. Uh, it could take three months, six months, a year. Uh, I usually save them up for a while and have a big registration fest, which can take a full day. Right. But it will get done. Um, also, even if your track is not registered and it gets used that fast, and sometimes it can get used that fast, the cue sheets are still turned in and will still be logged into your ASCAP or BMI or CSEC account and you'll still get paid. So even if you don't see your tracks registered, there's no need to worry. It will, it will work out in the end. Right, because if if you don't get it registered, you don't get paid either. So you're going to make darn sure that they do yeah. get registered. Yeah. But, I mean, even so, like I was saying, they when the cue sheets are turned in, if it hasn't been registered, um, it still shows up in your, in, your, in your account. In the old days, 
Yeah, I think you had to have everything registered pretty promptly because that's back when you had to fill out a postcard for each track and mail it in. Remember that? No, because I've never registered anything, but I'm sure other oh. people remember that. Plus, I'm getting to be that age where I don't remember my kids' names, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember when I walked into a room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's basically it. Uh, I just wanted to... You know, don't worry about registrations. They will get done. Don't bug the library about it. Um, just, just, it, it will happen when it's time, when they get around to it. Plus okay. number 10. All right. Um, a couple of questions about that that flew by. Are you talking about instrumentals or songs or both that they should wait and let the library register it? Yes, always. Okay, also somebody in the chat room, I think it was John Pearson, said uh, he works with a particular library that asks that uh, they won't take something unless you've registered it in advance. I've not heard of that, but I know the library he's referring to. Yeah, I do too. I don't understand that. I, I, I know exactly who he's talking about, and that's just that one. I can't quite figure that out, but they, they're not exclusive, and they put like a... a prefix or something before the title right but i'm not sure why they asked for that yeah i don't understand it either i'm aware of which library it is and i'm aware that they put the prefix before the title yeah. when they register it but it doesn't make any sense that it would absolutely need to be registered beforehand i don't get it yeah. but okay that's always confused me too but that's the only library that i know that that asked for that okay but, they, they, they do get great placements, so if that's what they want, then fine. All right. So let's move on to number nine because we got to pick up the pace a little bit to make sure we get all ten of these in. Plus, we're going to do a bunch of these are things you should do, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, uh, number nine is alt mixes. Uh, if there's, I guess there might be a few newbies um, watching and so I should probably explain about that. Uh, editors love to have choices, and different versions of a track will give them those various options. Uh, okay, like first off, you have the full or main mix, which is the actual final mix of your track, right? Correct. Say it's a vocal song. Uh, for instance, you would make an instrumental mix with the vocals removed. Um, so you have a EDM or urban track you could take all the melodic elements out and that would be called a, a bed mix, just the music bed um, you have a drums and bass only mix with just drums percussion and bass but you could even remove all the drums and percussion and have an ambient no drums mix a solo piano track ain't much you can do with that it's just one instrument um, anyways, my thing, one of my main points I wanted to bring up deals with the links of the alt mixes. If the full mix is a minute 38, then all of the alt mixes also have to be a minute 38. Not a minute 40, not a minute 37, minute 30, it has to be a minute 38, exactly what the full is. And I've, it drives me nuts when I see different links 
Cavalt mixes, it doesn't help my OCD either. Right. Um, I think. I like want to make you aware the phone sounds a little muffly again. I think it slipped. Oh, sorry. Um, like with Pro Tools, if you just highlight the region of the song, the track, and bounce to disc, that's all it is. It basically just involves muting certain things. So all the alt mixes need to be the same length. You want and to tell things to remember, but this confuses a lot of people. Um, like say for instance you're doing a drums and bass mix you might have blank spaces in there where those elements aren't playing like maybe at the beginning um, and that's fine alt need to be so that an editor can line up each version and seamlessly transition from one to the other uh, let's take a song for instance with vocals um there might be a scene with dialogue and the editor wants to use the instrumental part for the dialogue, but you can't, you can't have vocals uh, playing while there's dialogue without clash. So um, you have the, the instrumental part for the scene with the dialogue, and then as the camera cuts away and pans out, then we'll bring in the, the vocal section. But it has to seamlessly transition from one to the other. And that's why you have the alt mixes. So let's say your track is a minute 30. Editor might want to use the bed mix for 30 seconds, and then the drums and bass mix for the next 30 seconds, and the full mix for the final 30 seconds. So each alt mix has to line up so that it can seamlessly transition from one to the other. Right. And, uh, and like I said, that's okay if there's blank space at the beginning of a track, of, of, of an alt mix. Would you include the, the count off at the beginning um, so that an editor knows that when they hear the... No, no, because it, it just starts at zero, zero, zero. Okay. And you'll just line them all up so that they line up equally, or perfectly. Right. And like with that blank stuff, there was a, uh, a music library owner, big company in New York that one time said, production music is not made for listening enjoyment, but rather it serves a purpose. Mm -hmm. Like that makes sense. The purpose is to enhance media, TV, film, commercial, whatever. That totally makes sense. So that was, I guess that was number eight just to you know talking about alt mixes and just having them the same link no oh, that was number nine actually i mean number nine yeah that's right <laughs> sorry can't count <laughs> uh yeah don't don't be frightened by the fact that music library owners don't know how to count <laughs> <laughs> so any any questions on that that are coming up uh, no, not really. Uh, do all the different versions have to be mastered? There's a good question. Um, no. Uh, like, for instance, that library that I was just mentioning, they do all their mastering. Uh, just get the levels high enough. Usually, I'll, I, sometimes I will do some mastering on my own. 
but uh, just make it the best, I guess, the best levels of sound that, that you can. I mean, if, if, if you want to master, that's fine. It's also important. But they, but, but they all, but they, yeah, but I mean, if you're having, you, you wouldn't master the full version and then not master the alt versions. They all have to be equally sonically same level everything right that's important to note because if they're cutting back and forth between a, a stem or alt mix um and the original full mix the levels have to match otherwise well, the, the editor's going to get frustrated and just move on to another piece of music well that's actually my number eight believe it or not is the levels of alt mixes okay um, do not touch the levels when you're bouncing out an alt mix like I said, it's just basically muting things here and there. Um, I'll give you an example. This uh, I had a new composer recently. He was sending me his his, uh, his tracks with his alt mixes. And I was listening to to one of them, and the bed mix without the the melodies and stuff seemed a lot higher. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's something right here. And so I checked it out, and sure enough, uh, the bed mix was way loud. I said, uh, "Do you?" did you by any chance bring up the level on that bed mix? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw the meters that it wasn't as high, so I thought I'd bring it up to, to match the full version. Right. Like, no, no. If the bed mix or whatever is louder, then you can't have that seamless transition between the different versions. Um, that just won't work. Correct. Can you do me a favor? Throw your phone on speakerphone and see how that sounds, because I keep getting this uh, drifting in and out. Sometimes sounds like you've got a sock over your phone. Maybe the phone just sucks. All right, is that better? Uh, I'll know as you talk a little more, but I think so. All right, let's let's try that and see how it goes. All Any right. better? I think so. How close is the phone to your face? I'm sitting right over it. Okay. Um, is that good for you guys? Uh, let me know in the chat room. Yep, they say it sounds good. Yay, okay. All right, all right. We'll, we'll go with that then. Okay. So I was like, um, kind of, I guess, number nine and eight kind of go together. Keep them all the exact same length and do not touch the levels. So that's that. Okay. All right. Let's move on to number seven. All right. Number seven is weekends and holidays. What what are those? I, yeah, I forgot about those exactly. starting exactly 28 years ago. <laughs> um, this is mainly for when you're first contacting a, a, a new library or, or supervisor or whoever. Um, it's not a huge issue with me, um, especially with composers already on my roster. Uh, it's mainly for when you're first reaching out to, to, to a company. And I shouldn't even have to say this, but don't send business emails on a weekend or holiday. But people do it. Uh, let's see, I'll give an example. Like this past Memorial Day, I got an email from a composer, just uh, you know, like reaching out, saying, "Hey, yeah, I, I I do write music for TV and film, and I do this kind of music, and here's a link to my." my website and my tracks and he ended with have a nice memorial day i'm like 
Jude, it's Memorial Day. It's a national holiday. Why are you writing me today? I, I thought that was kind of odd. But, of course, I mean, I guess maybe thought everyone was in quarantine and they couldn't go out and do anything, so they would be home. Um, same thing on this past July 4th. I was at a small gathering of friends outdoors, and I got an email from a composer on my phone that, you know, want to submit music to my to my library. I'm like, God, it's July 4th. Come on. But then I looked at his name. I couldn't even begin to pronounce it, so I figured, oh, he must be European and doesn't realize that, you know, this is a holiday here. But still, it was a Saturday. Um, I even had composers write me on Christmas Day. Um, but yeah, it's just basically if you're going to contact someone, keep it to the weekdays. That's just professionalism. Uh, if we're friends and you're already on my roster, it's fine. I work seven days a week. doesn't bother me, but this is mainly for when you're first reaching out to a new company. Keep it on the weekdays. That's number seven. All right. Am I still allowed to call you at night and on weekends and holidays? Totally. Okay. <laughs> Just check it. <laughs> and if it's like three in the morning, my phone will be on mute, so I won't hear it. <laughs> All right. Moving on to number six. Number six is metadata, the dreaded metadata. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves it. Um, I really love to put a lot into my descriptions and keywords be really vivid, eloquent, detailed, descriptive. I think it really helps the track's chances. And I always ask the composer for a short description of each track along with keywords and moods. But the thing is, quite often, all I'll get back is just a few keywords. And I'm like, well, I asked for a description too. Uh, some composers write amazing descriptions, and I'm like, wow, I just can use it just as is. But mainly I ask for just a short description, kind of as a starting off point for me, because I always expand on it. Can you give an example of what would be a good short description? Yeah, yeah, I actually wrote some down. Let me find where I put that. I know that creative writing isn't everybody's strong point, but if you... Just put a little effort into it. And not every library is going to ask for descriptions. But at some point, you're going to have to write descriptions for your track somewhere down the line. Um, like for instance, I've gotten uh, descriptions like a dark tension track. Right. Okay, that doesn't tell me much. See, I found one of mine that I did. Instead of that, how about brooding sense, pulsing bass, and an incessant kalimba pattern swirl together into a dark synthetic underscore that evolves towards a lethal climax. Wow. <laughs> it's a little bit more. Um, here's one. Quirky urban dramedy with mallets. It doesn't really tell me a lot. But how about Mallets and bells take the lead in this whimsical and sneaky outing, while pizzicato strings add some tasty accents over modern trap drums. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say the, the ones you're saying aren't very good 
Um, they don't suck. I mean, there's something, you know, it's better than, um, you know, something I wrote on my birthday last year, but, uh, the years are much better. Like, uh, one last one, uh, a chill and mellow, sorry, a chill and mellow track with guitars. Yeah. Or how about smoky filtered and groovy lo-fi guitars play over a hip groove with electric pianos ethereal male vocal chops and sequenced synth plucks nice and chill um somebody in the chat russell landwehr asks a good question do music soups and editors have time to read all that i've always wondered that myself but at least it's there and i know the keywords help um because they might you know type in certain like tension dark ominous foreboding they're looking for a dark kitchen track and if those are in the description or in the keyword field then they'll come up right but it can't hurt that's the thing some read them some probably don't but at least if it's there you know it's better than yeah it, it, it can't hurt let's put it that way yep i agree so i try to do the best i can and it works great so there you go all right. Better description, um, the easier it makes my job, and it's also, um, you're going to have to do it at some point, so I, I just, I put some effort into writing really good descriptions. Um, somebody asked, I need to scroll back to this, uh, aren't keywords more important than descriptions? Yes, but I like them both. Right. I mean, you, you, you have to have a description for your track. But yes, the, the, the more keywords you can come up with and the more descriptive keywords you have, the better. Yeah, it's think of very, it, it, it's like dating. When you meet somebody new, uh, there's physical attraction and then there's emotional or, or mental or intellectual attraction. They both matter. All right. Well, now that we've got the dating aspect of the show over with, you want to you want to move on to? I think we're on number seven. Oh, you're on number. You can't count either. We're at number five. Wow. He oh. went the other way. Okay. <laughs> um, number five is auditioning, as well as uh, sending files. And what I mean by that is, if you're either auditioning as a new composer or someone that's already signed to the catalog that's sending new tracks for possible inclusion into the catalog. Um, I get sent so much stuff, as does, I guess, any library. Some libraries have fancy submission portals, which I will be doing eventually, but meanwhile, I get submissions directly from each composer. Um, the absolute best way and I'm sure any library or supervisor, whatever, prefers this, is when you're sending music is to send a link, like SoundCloud or your composer website. Or, or your Dropbox. taxi your taxi profile now. I mean, we basically yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, built it for that reason, to make it easy for people to send a link. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Dropbox, Google Drive whatever so that all i have to do is just go click play and listen yep. no down no downloading involved no gumming up my hard drive with yet more files so if you're going to send tracks 
the best weight is by a length, by, by far. Now, if you are sending some files, send MP3s. Uh, don't send WAVs or AIFS, you know, the, 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 the full res versions. Uh, if it's just two or three MP3s, you can attach to the email, I guess. Uh, if it's a bunch, then you can zip into a folder and send by WeTransfer or, or Hightail. Uh, one thing very important, if you are sending me, whenever you send MP3s, please at least fill in the artist field so I know who it's from. Right, uh, and, and you would need contact info as well, you know, a, a first name, a last name, and an email address at minimum? Yeah, yeah, that too. Well, I guess uh, you have the email This address. also, you know, goes for composers that I already, you know, have, have signed. Uh, if they had their name, then I, I know how to contact them. Right. But I can't tell you how many times I've come across an MP3 on my computer. I have no clue who sent it to me. Wow. The same with a folder of tracks, like, uh, let's take WeTransfer, for instance. Um, name your folder. Like, put your name, uh, the genre, maybe even the date. Because, like, a WeTransfer, the default title is always something like WeTransfer-7AC523. It's just a mixture of, of letters and numbers. Right. And I can have 10 of those right there in one place. And I have no idea what's what, who, who sent what. I have to open up each folder to see what's in there. And even then, if um, it doesn't have the metadata included or embedded, I'm like, where the hell did this come from? So please title all your folders and your tracks and include the metadata. So if I come across it, sometimes, you know, I'll... I'll get sent an MP3 and then I'll get distracted. You know, there might not be what I'm looking for at that moment. It could be later. And if, I, and if I come back to it and there's no information, I'm like, oh, God, who sent this? And then you might miss out on a chance of getting it used in something. So that's number five. Okay. Moving on to number four. Number four. And this kind of goes back partly to number eight when we're talking about uh, weekends and holidays. And I shouldn't even have to talk about this, but it's professionalism. Be professional. It's a business email. And this is really also when you're first reaching out to a new company or something. Um, I'll give you a funny example. There's a certain composer on my roster that everyone knows and loves. He's one of my best friends. And he gets sent emails um, to his website from other composers just wanting, you know, to maybe write with them or get some uh, advice, whatever. He had one recently that went uh, something like, uh, Hey, man, I done seen you on Taxi TV. We should kick it. Maybe write some music and grind on some tight. Let me know, because I'm hella down. Plus, I wanted to ask you some shit about taxi. Okay. First of all, don't ever cuss in a business email. Or on taxi TV, but that's okay. First time I ever did that. Oh, crap. 
Sorry. That, that's all right. I don't think we have any kids in the show in the chat room today. <laughs> and then, yeah, just don't write an email like you're writing it to your best bud. And I'm like, grind on some tight. I'd like, what the heck does that mean? Is that something the kids are saying these days? So I Googled it. So I tried to find it. And I couldn't. I don't know what it meant. I guess it meant to make some money. Uh, but yeah, if, if your email is full of grammatical errors and misspellings, it just proofread it first. Because if your initial email is got tons of mistakes and is sloppy, that's not a very good first impression. And that's going to make me probably think that your music is going to be a bit sloppy and full of mistakes as well. Right. So that's number four. Just be professional. And like I said, number eight, just contact these companies on leave it to the weekdays and proofread all that. I had, um, Oh, another thing that I just thought about if you're sending it, I've had composers contact me from my website and they'll say something like, yeah, I'm a film and TV composer. I wonder if it'd be okay to, to send you some tracks. And I'm like, well, first of all, you didn't tell me a thing about you. I don't know what kind of music you do or anything. Right. I uh, should just tell a little about about yourself, what you do, what you excel at, maybe some of your successes, some of your placements. And I would also say don't ask if it's okay to send some music or send a link. If you've already, you know, writing an email and, telling about yourself just include a link in that first email um to your music so that i don't have to go back and say yeah it's okay to send me some tracks if you'd like just do it in the first email yeah i think that different libraries have different feelings about that some people obviously uh like when people ask for permission but you're right it, it creates an extra step you know and that is the worst part of my job at taxi is answering emails. I, I literally get, and this is after I take out all the junk, about 300 emails per day. And, oh, you know, and a lot of them, people treat email like a text where it's a back and forth conversation um, where it's like, okay, thanks. And then, you know, you say, no problem. And they go, wow, I really appreciate the quick response. And you write back, no problem. <laughs> you know, and it becomes this, it's like if you and I were texting each other and it just adds so much time to my day. I know. Emails can get out of hand sometimes. I'm on the, on the HOA board here in my condo and some of the times the, the back and forth emails from the board members and from the management company, it's just people will like write back Okay, cool, thanks, or something. Or like, great, got it. I'm like, you right. Didn't have to. Yeah. It's just like, stop. So my thing's dinging constantly, and of course I have to go check, see what the email is. Oh, man. Yeah, I know, especially, I, I can't imagine getting 300 a day. You know what I, is a pet peeve of mine, if I may interrupt your flow a little bit, which is when somebody that you emailed with two or three or even five years ago wants to send you an email, they just go in and search by your name and the last email with the last subject line pops yeah. up 
and they type their new email in response to that old email from some time ago. And they're talking about something completely unrelated. And so it's bound to get ignored or lost in the sauce. You should always start with a fresh subject line for a new topic. Is That's my number three. <laughs> I agree totally with that. I, I'm right there with you. Exactly. All right. Well, moving on. What's your next one? Number three is mixes. And this also includes any of your mixes, whether it's alt mixes or whatever. Uh, one of the things that really drives me nuts is when there is something wrong with a file. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten tracks with the ending cut off, like the fade out of the, of the reverb tail. Right. Like before it gets to complete silence, the track just cuts off. Like you could have a stinger ending or an impact hit. And as the reverb tail is fading out, it just cuts off too soon because they didn't check it. Uh, sometimes I can toss it into Pro Tools and fix it myself, or I have to compose her to redo it. But either way, it just adds extra time. One really good way to make sure is to use headphones to listen to your mix, especially at the end to make sure it is completely cut off and gone to dead silence. Uh, what's another one? Oh, um, let's say you're making a drums and bass mix. And okay, I, making alt mixes can be very daunting and mind-numbing. Say you have like a, 10 tracks you're giving to a library, and each one of those has about three or four alts you have to do. Well, you're going to start to lose it a bit. <laughs> So you might make some mistakes. Like, say you're making a drums and bass mix and you forget to mute a certain element like keyboard or guitar. Or you're doing a no drums mix and you actually leave a shaker still in there. Well, it's really important to check each mix before you send it. That just creates more time for the library and they have to come back and say, hey, could you redo this one? So just check your mixes. Um, Another thing that's happened to me a few times is I've gotten files that are completely blank. Right. Nothing. <laughs> I've had people FedEx me a cassette back in the day. You know, spend 20 bucks to FedEx a cassette that was blank. That's heartbreaking. Oh, good God. <laughs> yeah. So basically number three is to uh, check your mixes. Like I said, use headphones make sure the ending is good and you know, make sure there's no weird clicks or pops. Cause I've, I've gotten stuff with some mistakes or digital pops or something. And like, Oh, can't have that. What about the front of the mix? Um, I've heard various opinions on how to treat that. Some people have asked about that in the chat room, which is okay. Fair enough. Check the tail to make sure that you've got, you know, a couple of seconds after the reverb is totally gone with you checking it in headphones at a moderately good, healthy level so that you know that that reverb or whatever ring out is there is totally yes. gone before you end it. What about, the downbeat, the some people, you know, I'll see zero come up on, on my uh, iTunes player 
and the music doesn't start for two or three seconds, sometimes even five seconds later, where do you recommend starting the thing? Um, you know, do you put in a, a beat, beat, you know, zero beat, then the music starts, a second, a half a second, nothing. What do you like? Zero. Right Not at right zero. zero. Okay. Uh, that made me think of something else, too, with checking your mixes. Uh, I, I've gotten quite a few mixes at times where they weren't paying attention, and there's like 20 or 30 seconds of blank space at the end. <laughs> Yeah. And, oh God. So then I have to go take that into Pro Tools and, and edit and, and take that out. So look at your mixes, check them and make sure everything's good. It's okay. important. Um, somebody in the chat room said, does this library owner work alone or does he have any staff? I'm guessing it's a one-man shop. I can answer that for you, uh, which is it's a one-man shop with helpers. Yeah, yeah. I do have, I'm, I'm getting ready to take on a executive VP and she's, I've been teaching her the ropes because I just have gotten where I cannot do all this myself. She's helped me a lot. She's been doing a lot of data entry and, and, and spreadsheets and making phone calls. Uh, so yeah, it's just gotten to the point where I, I can't do it all myself anymore. It's grown too much, which is a good thing. Yeah, Absolutely. And and now your time will be consumed with making sure that she gets everything correct. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I got to double check everything. Yep. I hear you on that. Yeah. All right. So that, was, that was number three. And we'll move on to number two. Um, and I shouldn't even have to be talking about this but there are actually some composers that still do not know. But number two is uncleared samples. <clears throat> yeah, you'd think it's common knowledge. Um, I think I told you the story. I got sent an album of really cool tracks recently by a, by a brand new composer that found me from my website. I had really good stuff. Um, there was one track, though, on it that was a bit different than the others. It had these really cool retro vocal samples. And these were like um, vocal samples I had never heard before in any sample pack. So I was planning to ask him about them because like, I gotta find these myself. Where'd you get these from? <laughs> um, before I could, he had emailed me uh, with some questions. And one of those questions, uh, was about that track in particular. He said, yeah, I, I made that track from an old uh, song by Sam Cooke where I uh, sampled the vocals. Is that okay? And of course, I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's got to scare the daylights out of you because if this person is that unknowledgeable, or as we would say in the English language, ignorant uh, of the rules of the game, the laws, uh, what else are they going to screw up? Yeah. I mean, that could bring me the biggest possible lawsuit and just completely kill my company and wipe me out. Yep. I had to give them the, um, the example of Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. That, that's a you know famous plagiarism story. 
Say it again, but you got a little swallowed. I was giving them the example of Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. Remember okay. that? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's like, I guess some people still don't know this, but yet yeah, never use a sample of some famous artist or even a not-so-famous artist, even if it's something so obscure she found on an old record you think will never be found out don't risk it it's not worth it and i think a copyright infringement lawsuit starts at like 50 grand yeah and that's not including the cost of the attorneys which will probably exceed the cost of the damages yeah exactly so uh yeah do just do not use uncleared samples and that's number two. Okay. How about number one? Hold on. Before you do number one, let's give it a little intro. Okay. Oh and the number one mistake you should never make when working or sending your music to a production music library is... Not a mistake, but it deals with... Uh, the number one is sample libraries. Now, sample libraries are awesome they're great but when used in the wrong way they can be my, my biggest pet peeve um tell you a story so one of my good friends is also a music library owner you know him and we always talk amongst ourselves and exchange ideas and talk about you know whatever about the business and we were talking last fall i guess it was or last summer i don't know and he was telling me about this composer that he had signed and um, had added a couple of his albums into the catalog. And then he discovered that this composer had basically taken the example tracks from a sample library Ooh. and passed them off as his own. <laughs> and oh, he was not happy. He had to pull those albums immediately because you cannot do that. So you had to, he had to intentionally do that. Yeah, he did. And, and he'd actually, uh, my friend told me that he's been caught doing that a few times by some other libraries and is banned by said libraries. Wow. Taking the exact example tracks or just basically dragging and dropping the loops and samples, not changing a doggone thing and just, passing it off as his own. So he said he found it by shazamming the track. Wow. And it came up with some other artists, whatever. So anyways, uh, I guess last year a supervisor had brought a bunch of new composers to me uh, doing a hip-hop album. And we are just going to... Uh, split publishing because he, he found these composers and helped put it together. It's like, okay, that's fine. So one of the guys on there uh, emailed me. I guess I, well, I guess he found me on, on LinkedIn. He sent me a note or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, man, I'd love to submit some stuff to your library. You're, you're, you're awesome. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, I signed those couple of tracks you had on the, on the hip-hop album and you're already signed to the to the library so yeah I'll, I'll check out what you have and he, uh, he sent me a, an album I think it was like some ambient hip hop and it was awesome 
it was amazing. I'm like, oh, dude, wow. <laughs> you got some good stuff here. So, uh, I, I took the tracks, spent about two days processing and ingesting the tracks, and it, was, it, it sounded great. Um, a few days later or something, I was talking to my friend again, the other music library owner, and we're talking about stuff. I don't know how it came up. Well, I was telling him about this new guy I signed, had great stuff. He asked me, well, what's his name? And I told him his name, and he was like, dude. That's the dude I was telling you about last year that steals the example tracks and calls them his own. I was like, oh, crap. I probably said a lot worse than crap. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Oh, like, He's like, dude, you better get to your studio and go Shazam those and see. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. So anyways, I walked down to my studio. I was like, all right, let's find out here. Queued up the first track. Push the button on Shazam, boom. Instantly got a hit. Some other artists came up with the exact same music, except they had uh, uh, vocals on it. Wow. Same key, same tempo, same arrangement. I'm like, oh boy. All right, let's try another one. So, what's the second track? Did Shazam, boom, hit right away. Same. Everything. Didn't change a thing. Uh, I was like, oh my God. So I immediately had to pull the album because I, I can't have that out there. It's already taken. And th th these artists that came up obviously were just as lazy as he is because they used, which I think I asked him, where'd you get these samples from? And he told me the company, I can't remember what it was. But I think this particular company does allow you to to use the samples or examples or whatever as is. Right. So these other artists did, they just took them and put their vocals on them and then put them out on Spotify or whatever. Um, yeah, it, but it's like, you know, change the key, change the pitch, change the tempo, chop up the sample, something. Uh, also, like, if you use a melodic sample in your track, like, I don't know, Rumba line, say, and you build a track around that. At least change the key of that sample or the tempo, add effects so that's different than the original. Right. And that's the key word: be original <laughs> and not lazy. Put some effort into it. So, so now from from now on, when I when I sign new tracks, I always shazam them to make sure that this isn't something they've just dragged and dropped and call their own. Um, somebody's asking the question. So, if we change the samples slash loops enough, then Shazam and then Shazam it, nothing comes up. Are we good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, sample libraries are awesome. They are great. I love them. I use them all the time myself. Everyone does. But just make the samples and loops your own. Just enhance them, change them, do something to make them different. Yeah. Here, here's a related thing to that. Um, which is if you send an alt mix and, and you know, let's say the, the basis, the main thing of your track happens to be that sample and it's unaltered and the library wants an alt mix or the stems, now you're just basically sending a stem of that thing that has come directly and is in an alt, unaltered form 
into a library. Yes, that is a very tricky situation. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, that, that can get you in trouble as well. It, that's, it, I don't know how to, de- to, to deal with that. I ask them when I'm getting uh, alt mixes, if that's just a, a, a sample by itself, because I, I, I can't have that because that can cause a lawsuit as well. It's not as much as an uncleared sample from a famous artist like Sam Cooke, but <laughs> yeah, you got to be really careful with that. Wow. So do you have a, a list of 10 to-dos or were those kind of included in the what not to do and here's what you should do? Well, I had, I had to-dos and not to-dos in, in there. Okay. All right. So at this point, should I open up the chat room to questions for you? Do you have any additional stuff you want to say before I open it up to questions? Yeah. Let's, let's get some questions. All right. Uh, so for you in the chat room, if you would be so kind, type the word question in all caps at the beginning so it's easy for me to spot when they go flying by and I will relay them to the mystery music library owner. Question from Russell Landwehr. Do you provide all this information to your composers? Uh, yes. Well, yeah, uh, uh, I will now. I think well, that's one thing that I've been thinking about doing is typing up uh, some kind of sheet with all of these type things in there. Um, so when new composers come on board, or even for the older ones, they, okay, this is what we have to follow, and this is that this is how I work, and these are very important points. I haven't done that yet, so this is why I think I wanted to do this episode because various uh, composers have made these mistakes. So, uh, but that has been, you know on my to-do list is to type oh, all this up. I've got an idea that can save you the typing time and save them the reading time because it seems nobody wants to take the time to read anything anymore. How about if I just send you a link to this episode yeah, and whenever, exactly. you, whenever you work with new uh, composers, you can just send them the link. Yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> Do that. Awesome. Um, all right, let me go back and grab some questions. They're flying in kind of fast now. Um, Uh, does this apply to, say, the musical instruments in sample libraries or just riffs and samples? Uh, you mean like a piano sample? Right. If they use a piano sample straight up without altering it, that's fine. It, it, it's when it yeah, becomes like, a piece of music that you're sampling is what yeah, he's talking like, about. I, I think they were asking like a virtual instrument, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's totally different. Right. That's just that's just a sound. Um, you, 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 yeah, no, you can use that any way you want. It's just a a, a a riff or a melodic element or something like that. I'm not sure I understand this one from Lane Bell and Shrek, which is a music bed. Mean the melody is done with a instrument of some kind. No, 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 no. Music bed is a, a, a version without the, without the melody or, or, or any... Right, without a vocal, without a lead yeah, instrument yeah, doing without, the melody. Basically, kind of lead instruments, I guess. Yeah. No lead. 
It's a rhythm track, basically. Everything but well, the lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, question. In art, if one changes a photo five different ways, it is a new piece of art. Is there a standard that makes it a new piece of music? Um, not a standard, no. But as long as it, as it, as it sounds different and unrecognizable from the original, then it's, it's different. Okay, yeah, unrecognizable would seem to be the key. Uh -huh. um, question, do, do, uh, do the same rules apply to Apple Loops? Uh, I'm not familiar with those, but uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, they're basically like any other loop. You, you need to adulterate them and change them in some form or fashion. Um, question, when sending music to you, if you like it but don't have an album or a place for it, would it still be accepted? Uh, yes. Um, I'm not... Yeah, I mean, it, it, that, if it's something that I'm planning to put out that genre in like three or four months... Right. Uh, that would be accepted. It's just that, uh, you know, it's, it's I can only put out so many albums at, at, at one time. It takes a lot of time to get out new albums. Yeah, and uh, as I pointed out on a previous show with, uh, I think, the last music mystery music library owner we had on, I complimented him because he once called me and asked me for a phone number it might have actually been your phone number he was asking for or another friend of ours that owns the library. And he said, look, I just got something great, but it's not something that the shows I work with typically would need. But this uh -huh. piece of music is really good. I don't want to sign it and have it languish in my catalog and never get used because my yeah. clients don't use this type of thing. So he wanted to pass it off to another library who he believed um, would have an outlet for it. So I, I think that was really menchy of him to do, number one. And number two, I think that that's true for many, if not all music library owners. They can hear a great piece of music, but if it's something that they just don't have the client base for, they probably wouldn't take the time to do the due diligence and all the stuff that is required to ingest it and the paperwork to sign it only to have it languish in the library and upset the person who created it. It's like, geez, dude, you signed my music, but you're never getting any placement for it. So, uh, so, exactly. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sign anything that I don't think that I have a chance to place. If it's something that, it could be a great piece of music or something, but it's just something that I have no need for at the moment or none of the shows that I work with would use. I'm not going to eat up my time or the composer's time or just like you said have it languish in the catalog and i'm like dude go go find some other place for it right now uh you know maybe in the future if something comes up i will contact you like well, here's one for instance i had this guy a couple years ago he kept sending me um russian music and you know back then i was like really have any use for this but this year, I started an international part of the catalog and having authentic music from around the globe. So now, I can use it. Right. So I that when a cast of a show, you know, travels abroad to wherever, they can come to 
almost said the name of my company there, <laughs> then come to, to my company and can go to my international catalog and, oh, this is music from Japan because we're going to Japan on the show and they'll get picked through there and, and find a, a bunch of great tracks. So now I can use Russian music. Yeah, people uh, sometimes get really upset with Taxi. They, they feel like we've forwarded their music off to a black hole. Uh, because we forward the music. The, the library asks for X, Y, Z. We forward them X, Y, or Z, um, and then they don't hear anything from the library, and it could be that the library owner goes, well, it's not really right for this next project I'm working on, but it's really good, and it's not inconceivable that sometime in the relatively near future I may have a need for this, so you put it in a folder that's like, this is good. I should pay attention to it at some point. Uh, is, is that a true statement? Yes, exactly. Um, I still haven't gotten through all the listings that I've that, that I've run. Um, I just got some amazing uh, country rock. I think last week you guys sent me a, a, a folder of country rock, and it's incredible. And that's going to be one of my next um, albums. But I just have not had a chance to contact any of those composers yet because I'm still trying to get like God. Uh, seven or eight albums out right now that I've got to get to first before I can get to them. And they they probably got forwarded like two weeks ago or something. And they're probably sitting there like, oh, why haven't they called me yet? But just, it just, you have to have patience. Um, there's been composers that I've called, shoot, six months, a year later that I finally got to. And like, oh, I'm so glad you called me now. Great. Yeah, these, these are still still there so uh it's just yeah it's it's when you get a forward you're not going to get called back the next day i don't think i guess that has happened but just lay low and like what was that saying you guys used to say write submit repeat something like that write submit forget and repeat which leads ah, me which leads me to a question which is people always ask this question a lot, which is, okay, I got forwarded to somebody last week, but now I see another listing asking for a similar thing. Should I submit it to that second opportunity? And my answer is, of course. And then they, they will come back to me and say, but what if the first library reaches out to me and then the second library has picked it up and I don't have it anymore? My answer to that would be, Nothing makes you seem more desirable than telling the first library that didn't act quickly enough, oops, sorry, it's gone already, but would you like me to create something for you that's very similar? Is that a correct statement on my part? Very. Okay. And the early bird gets the worm. That's right. And so, sometimes it's not, as you just explained, it's not a matter of being lazy. Um, it's timing. And yeah. Yeah, you know, and no library owner would hold that. I think people are worried that somebody was like, well, why did you submit it then if you're not hanging on to it waiting for me to call you or email you someday? I, I don't think library owners think like that. They understand the speed at which things move and that, okay, I missed the boat on that one. What else do you have that might, you know, fit a similar description? Yeah, that's why I want to get to these country rock tracks soon because they're very good. If I drag my feet too much longer... You know, they might get taken by someone else. I'll be like, well, doggone it, I missed those. So, I've got to say, I'm going to have to contact them. Uh -huh. Maybe this week to get the ball rolling. 
I'm tickled pink by the fact that for years, I mean, you and I've known each other forever, and for years you really didn't use Taxi as a resource because your library was small and you were basically working with a handful of people that you met at the road rally or friends that you've developed, friendships that you've developed with other composers over the years, mostly through Taxi or the road rally. Uh, And then probably a year ago, um, I said, why don't you just run listings? You know, you're going to be shocked at the quality of what you get. And the first batch of music you got, you picked up the phone and called me and said, oh, my God, I can't believe how good this stuff is. And I I think that's been the case ever since. How would you rate the music you're getting from Taxi's members? That was excellent. I mean, I've gotten some amazing stuff and found some amazing composers. And they're great to work with, professional. Um, it's just, it's, it's been really, really pretty, pretty awesome, I got to say. Great. Well, I'm, I'm proud of our members and I'm grateful yeah. that, uh, that you've found it to be such a valuable resource. Um, let me see. I'm looking to see if there's another question. Um, uh, in music, this is the Bionic Sisters asking Russell Landwehr in the chat, but I think it's something everybody should hear. In music licensing contracts, can we also specify places we don't want music placed? Uh, we had a, a great example of that many years ago uh, where somebody submitted to Taxi, um, they signed a deal with the library. The library actually had the ability for you to check a box that says, I don't want my music submitted for um, I believe it was pornography. Um, and, and sure enough, they, they didn't check the box. And this library apparently at some point um, got a piece of music placed in what I would call, you know, light pornography, you know, maybe some nudity in a TV show. It wasn't like, you know, hardcore, straight up porn. And, and the, the person who submitted the music was an observant Christian person who just, you know, wasn't on board with the... Uh, you know, nudity in television, film, whatever. And they were very upset. They were upset with Taxi. They were upset with the library. In the end, it was really their fault for not taking care of their business and checking that box. Is that a standard practice amongst libraries that they have the, that they give composers the ability to say, I don't want my music in pornography or maybe political stuff or what have you? Usually that's written into the contract, or at least mine. Um, I don't remember how I worded it or how the attorneys worded it, but it says something about will not be used in uh, pornographic, or I don't remember how it's written. Or maybe it says uh, the composer will be contacted first to see if they if they would allow it to be in this. But I, I forget how it's worded, but I don't have a checkbox on mine, but... It's just worded so that I pretty much will not be used in something unethical or, or pornographic. Right. Um, yeah, it, it makes sense. And uh, I mean, frankly, I don't know a lot of libraries. I, I imagine a lot of libraries do get music. For instance, my wife and I just finished binging five seasons of the show Outlander. Uh, and I would say one out of every three episode had some nudity and some romantic scenes in it. Um, it wasn't pornographic, you know, it didn't have that kind of dirty, slimy pornographic feel to it. Not that I'm judging porn- pornography. I have personally never seen any, but um, <laughs> but the show did have some nudity and some lovemaking scenes in it. And uh, libraries, w- 
you know, probably wouldn't say when, when a supervisor reaches out and says, you know, sends an email to six different libraries, I need, um, you know, romantic uh, orchestral music. They're not going to, the libraries aren't going to say, just want to make sure there aren't any bare breasts in, in, in the scene. Uh, but if you get hit up by, you know, um, the Van Nuys, you know, Porno Producers Association or something, <laughs> you're probably, the library would, it would be fair game for the library to ask that question. Is that yeah. a kind of a correct scenario? Yeah, so far I've not been contacted by any pornographic companies. That's good. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Here's a question from Russell Landward. Do you prefer albums or onesies, twosies, onesies or twosies? If you prefer albums, do you want to be presented with a completed album or a three-song uh, demo of what the album would be like? Um, both. Um, I have a composer if you will do full-on albums, like 10 tracks, 12, whatever. And they'll, but yeah, I, I just did an album of whatever genre, and that's great. Or I can tell them, I'm doing an uh, album of lo-fi jazz. And be like, oh yeah, cool, man. I'll, that sounds awesome. I'll do like two or three tracks. And they'll do two or three tracks or whatever and send those to me. I so, know that a lot of the... A lot of the libraries that we work with, or not a lot, but several over the past year, have started uh, asking us if they could have members. Um, only members should submit if they've got a full album of something. And oftentimes the reason for that is that it's just easier to do the paperwork and it's easier to deal with one composer than it would be 10 different composers. However, that leads the the members to think, oh, I should always have a full album of stuff ready to go. I'm personally, this is just my opinion, on the fence with the concept of having a full album of stuff ready to go. I like the idea of sending a library one, two, or three tracks and have them say, yeah, I can use more of this. Um, if you have a full album ready to go, they may hear your first track or two or three and say, I like the direction this is. It's about 80% right. However, you need to take the sax solos out or change this or change that. So now you've got to go back and rework everything. I, I, I personally, if I were a composer, would want to submit a sample of my work and have them say, great, this is exactly what I need. Or yes, give me seven more like this, but do X, Y, or Z. Is How do you feel about that? Yeah, and sometimes um, they might, submit a whole album, however many tracks, 10 or so, and I'll listen, and there might be two or three that I'm like, yeah, nah, but I'll take these seven, and I like having different composers on an album, because then you get different, uh, what's the word, different, not, not viewpoints, but different sounds, it's not, it doesn't all sound the same. I hear that um, a lot of times when libraries reach out to us and we go do our due diligence and check them out and I go listen to their stuff under certain genres, they may only have two composers that have done like 30 or 40 tracks and it all sounds homogenous. It really does. So I, I, I understand that it's more work to deal with more composers, but I would want to avoid the homogeny um, and, and and show that you've got some depth and breadth in your catalog. Yeah, I had a composer send me an album 
uh, I guess last week. I'm not going to say the genre because he might be listening and might know talking about him. Um, I think I had 10 tracks, and they were all great. Nothing wrong with them, but they sounded so similar. And right. I was like, yeah, I, I really want to have this, but I don't have anything like this in my catalog yet, and this kind of style gets used a lot. But I want to maybe run a taxi listing and, and find some more in this genre so that I can mix those in so that every track doesn't sound the same, but be the same style, but it's just that it'll sound different. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, when they follow the advice I give out so often, which is if you're going to create, um, you know, one tension track, use that as a template um, for creating others because you've already got your levels, your EQ, your compression, your sounds. But if you make an album of 10 using all those things all the way through, it is going to sound way too similar. So you've got to change up some aspects of it. Template, yes. Homogeny, no. Yeah, with different composers, different composers, you'll have different sounds, uh, different angles, um, like that. So that's why I like to mix and match on albums. Although I have many composers who have done entire albums, um, so, yeah. Um, somebody asked a question a little while ago. I think this is a really interesting one. Um, has COVID-19 presented you as a library owner with any challenges? Yeah, because all TV productions pretty much have been shut down this year. So uh, a lot of the production companies that normally would be using a lot of my stuff and, and coming to me for this and that and the other, that kind of stopped because... Because the, the Rona kind of shut everything down. But I've just been using this time to really build up my library and, and, and find new composers so that when things do get back to normal, which hopefully will be sooner than later, I will be really beefed up and ready to go with some great music. We've found that to be the case with many, many libraries. I mean, frankly, when... COVID-19 hit, I was afraid that I knew the industry was shutting down and I was afraid that that would really affect the number of listings that we got in. But a lot of stuff was already ready to go into post-production, which can be done remotely. So we got a lot of listings from that. Um, and, and frankly, it, it's been good for Taxi and our members because a lot of libraries are doing what you're doing, which is cleaning out old dead wood or adding uh, new genres that you don't have that might be things that your clientele is asking are asking for. Um, so I, I think COVID-19 has hurt the licensing of music, but has been good for the creators in that the opportunities are still coming. And plus they can't go anywhere. So they just are able to have to sit at home and they have nothing they spend more time writing and, and producing and creating. So that's also been a good thing. I've had many composers, you know, write me say, Hey, I'm stuck here at home. I can't go anywhere. What do you need? <laughs> so that's worked out good. Right. And, and like, if I were a composer every night when my wife says, honey, you want to watch another episode of house hunters on HGTV? I could say, Oh, sorry, honey. I've got to go make some tracks for a library. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Somebody asked earlier, which are the best months to m submit holiday music, meaning Christmas-ish music? Um, I have not 
done any of that myself in my catalog, but from what I've heard, uh, the sooner the better, like February, March, April. Um, yeah, don't wait till November because all of those productions that we're going to use are, are using the Christmas music, holiday music, whatever. That would have already been done long before November. Right. So they're going to be looking for the stuff probably, I'd say, spring. Yeah, we saw a pretty decent influx this year, um, surprisingly, in the spring and into the summer. Usually, um, I would say most of it takes place in May, June, and July, and then emergency fill-ins happen closer. But you, you got to think, you know, usually they're editing this stuff at least a week, if not weeks, in advance of when it's going to air. Yeah. Um, they need a pad in there. So they've usually got the music picked. It's only when something falls out that they've got the um, emergency situation where, okay, now we need, you know, a Christmas song about going to grandma's house uh, specifically because they thought they had one and then it just didn't work. Yeah, like no, no company is going to be looking for Halloween music on October 1st. Everything's going right. to be already done. Yeah, unless it's an emergency. A couple yeah. people have asked about the whole concept of doing albums for music libraries, talking about, well, do, one person said, do they want it on CDs? The answer to that is no. Um, oh. the, the term album is just a hangover. It just means a collection of stuff. Yeah, that's um, a, a yeah, yeah. album does not, do not, does not mean record. An album is a collection of songs. It can be... Uh, a vinyl record it can be a cd or it can be just an album whatever electronically an right. album is just a collection of songs and some people have asked do you prefer to get a link do you like getting a disco yeah disco is great link is great like i said uh back number whichever number it was uh when you're submitting tracks um it's best any kind of link whether it's a disco uh your website soundcloud Taxi, Google Drive, any of those. So I just, like I said, I just have to go and click play and I can listen to it. Um, okay, we've got, whoa, we've only got four minutes left. I can't believe how quickly this went. Um, so uh, any final thoughts from you uh, before we wrap this up? Uh, I, I just want to say thank you. I know how much time you put into this, and you've literally been assembling this stuff for weeks now. And the fact that you came to me and said, can I please do this? And the fact that you put all that effort in um, deserves a round of applause. <laughs> I hope I made sense, and I hope people will you know, listen, and, and I hope I've helped some people out so that when they're are, are, you know, contacting libraries, working with libraries, they'll remember stuff, like I said, and it'll, it'll hit home, I'm hoping. Um, I, I think it's extremely helpful, and frankly, it was very succinct, on point, and, and well-organized, so I appreciate all that, as I'm sure our listeners do. Um, yep, they're all saying, thank you, Mr. Mister, Mister Mystery. Um, you're getting lots of clapping hands in, in the thing. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, you should definitely include a link to this show for every new, uh, not even just new, but, you know, look, there are experienced people that make mistakes as well. Yeah. So uh, I will definitely send you a link to this. And 
man, I should just replay this for the road rally. <laughs> I could save myself a little work. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. People are saying, don't say his name. Yeah. I've gone for, uh, 97 minutes so far without accident i mean not 97 whatever the math is on that uh, well, probably not too difficult with the southern accent they probably some people i'm sure have figured it out already yeah well, somebody blurted out and i muted their post really quickly but yeah you know some <laughs> some of the people clearly know you all right yeah. well with that let's end a, a actually end a show a minute or so early that may be a first in the 11 year history of taxi tv oh jerry jennings is asking speaking of the rally is it happening i just got the email three hours ago the hotel has officially let us out of the contract so if you had a room reserved at the hotel for this year's road rally cancel it by law they can't even let us have the road rally there um, yeah. So this year's road rally will, in fact, be all virtual, all online. Um, I've been working on, on, on it already for several weeks. Um, it's coming together well. And uh, I think that's about it. Um, and that means we're going to make road rally 2021 freaking amazing. Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> no it will be you know that's my goal every year is to beat the previous road rally by 15 or 20 percent so um there you go everybody uh thank you mr uh mr mystery music library owner this was great very informative once again i really appreciate you taking the time to do this ladies Thanks. and gentlemen please give a round of applause to the music library owner all right thank you buddy i will talk to you after the show and uh i will see you sooner than later i'm sure and thank you and let me sign off with everybody online and i'll give you a call in five all right thank you guys for watching thank you for asking great questions thank you for paying attention and thank you for being here today please don't forget if you're new to this hit the subscribe button um I see some new names in there. So yeah, please hit the subscribe button. YouTube likes us better when people subscribe. Please don't forget to give us a thumbs up. We like to be liked because we're incredibly insecure. And with that, I bid you a fond farewell. We will talk to you, see you tomorrow, right back here, same time, same place, for another exciting episode of Taxi's Quarantini Happy Hour. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.